Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience to Smith Weekly, including Nate S., Mike P., Chuck C., and Brent S. A new guest has joined us on the program today. Mr. Jamie Beck has joined us. Jamie is the president and CEO of Philo Mining, a copper-focused project developer advancing the Philo del Sol project, which sits on the Argentine-Chile border, San Juan province. Philo Mining is part of the Lundine Group. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol FIL with eminent uplist to the TSX main board soon. And Philo is also listed on the US OTC markets under the symbol FLMMF. Mr. Beck, welcome to the program. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Well, Jamie, lots to talk about here, but how about just a quick company overview here? Sure. So Philo Mining, we are a copper, gold, silver explorer in South America. The project sits uh, on the border between between Chile and Argentina. Uh, about 90% of the resource and, and all of the exploration work that we've advanced over the past couple of seasons is in San Juan province, Argentina. There's a, a small portion of the, the project that, that extends over the border into Chile. It's really a, a project in, in two parts, uh, Andrew. It's got a, a, an oxidized portion that sits on top. All of the early drilling at, at Philo del Sol was focused on defining that oxide cap and advancing the engineering work. So we put a, a pre-feasibility study out on that portion of the deposit in January of 2019 and showed uh, good economic robust returns. Uh, certainly at, at today's metal prices, it, it looks even better. But before we advanced that too far, we, we knew that underlying that oxide cap was a, a much bigger project. And so we embarked on some deeper drilling. And uh, over the past three seasons now, we've identified uh, just an enormous mineralized zone, about four and a half kilometers of strike north-south. It's about a kilometer east-west, uh, almost 1.5 kilometers at depth to date and continues to be open in, in lots of directions. So certainly we've, we've hit just a uh, huge mineralized area. And in addition to that size and scale, in May of this last year, we put out a, a result that hit substantial grades. There was a section in there of 163 meters of, of greater than 5.4% copper equivalent and uh, was quite a, an exceptional uh, result. So we're really excited about Philo and uh, the plans for the next, call it 12 to 18 months, are, are really to continue to try and drill this off, define the resource it remains open to the north, to the south, to the east, and at depth. Uh, so we'll see about trying to find the edges of uh, of this monster, as well as look towards defining uh, and building our geological model in the center of the deposit and, and understanding it a little more geologically. Jamie, that sounds great. I appreciate the overview. You took the, the words here from a monster was certainly describing this here as you guys continue to delineate how big it really is. But let's go back for just a moment, Jamie. Why don't you talk about yourself for a moment, throw your resume at us, and tell us why you're qualified for the job. Sure. I'm a mechanical engineer. 
I spent my early career working in the steel industry uh, in and around uh, the Toronto area with Stelco and DeFasco uh, doing machine design work. I got involved in some big projects there and, and I guess always had the question a, a little bit of where and, and who and how the decisions were being made to spend multi-million dollars on upgrading a, you know, a processing line, that kind of thing. So I, 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 I always had a sort of a trend towards the business side. I had a, a great opportunity actually to chase my wife out west. Uh, she was completing her uh, medical training and uh, placed at UBC. So we moved out to Vancouver. I went back to school and did an MBA, which had a co-op placement. And during that co-op, I, I landed in the corporate development group with Tech Resources and uh, had a chance to gain some exposure to a, a big mining company and, uh, and, and their corporate development function. Uh, saw a bunch of projects, spent some time at Trail at the smelters. It was a great experience. Uh, unfortunately uh, for me, in terms of timing, that was global financial crisis. Their share price, I think, went from about $60 to uh, just touching over, uh, over $4 in a short period of time. So there wasn't a job at the end of that. And I connected at the time with a fellow named Paul Conabear who was running corporate development for London Mining. I uh, convinced him to let me come on and do some financial modeling for uh, an asset that we had in, in uh, the DRC at Tenki Fungarumi. And so I, I started in with Paul in 2009 and, and that was really my foot in the door with the London group. Through the years, I, I guess the career has grown there. I ended up transitioning from the London Mining Corp Dev Group, and at the time I was working with Freeport on the engineering studies as we were expanding Tenki, and so I got involved in running the engineering studies with some of the junior exploration companies in Vancouver. That was NGX Resources at the time. So I worked on Los Alados and Jose Maria and Filo del Sol with uh, Wojtek Wojcicki and Adam Lundin and, and the Bob Carmichael, the great geology team that had made those discoveries. and had a, an opportunity uh, to take over the, the helm at Philo in June of, of 2020. So I'm pretty green in this role and still learning, but I think I've got some uh, some history with the group and uh, hopefully uh, I'm the right person to guide as, as we continue to grow. Well, Jamie, for the junior natural resource sector, I think you're overqualified, sir, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, good to have you on and pretty diverse here as well, which I think is a, a plus. And then also your experience with some of the majors out there. How about just a snapshot of the capital structure here, shares outstanding, cash on hand, and also the major holders? Very straightforward. There's uh, 113 million shares out. Uh, there's no uh, warrants or, or anything that's that's plain equity. I think you know we've got, a, as many juniors do, a, a 10% stock option plan. So there's probably just over 7 million shares out on, on that. Uh, so fully diluted, call it 118, 119 million shares. A uh, major shareholder is the Lundin family and, and the Lundin family trusts. They hold just over 34% of the company. Board and management have a, have a piece as well, as well as some, some institutions. Uh, CD Capital, which was one that, uh, that got involved, Carmel Daniel, uh, they put uh, a substantial placement into our, our last equity raise and Carmel sits on the board. And then there's a, a big group, as, as per many of these Lundin companies that follow along in, in Sweden, in Europe. We trade in Canada on, on the main board, on the TSX. We also trade on the OMX in Sweden. And, and so you've got a, a big group of, of European and Swedish shareholders that follow along and, and trade the story as well. 
Well, let's get into the drilling program here. First, uh, has the uh, the contract driller been selected for this rig expansion? And if so, can you share who it is and have they been mobilized? Yeah, we, we put out our plans for the drill season uh, earlier this year. There's started off with three rigs and uh, we'll be adding two more rigs to that in October or maybe maybe early November timeframe as soon as we can. Those rigs were the exact same ones that we had on site last year. So we had uh, two drill contractors. We're, we're working with Bort Longyear. Uh, they had three rigs for us and, and we've got those secured. And the other one is a local Argentine company called uh, Falcon AGV. They have two rigs and we've got those secured. So we'll, we'll have those five rigs for sure. And then we'll look toward, to try and add an additional two rigs by the end of the year. Uh, we're in some discussions right now, uh, not only with, with Bort Longyear about additional capacity on their end, but maybe some, some new partnerships as well down in Argentina. So uh, we haven't quite settled on where or how we staff and, and get those last two rigs, but we've certainly got five locked up for now. Very well. Jamie, how about the company, the expansion program here, as far as the details in the drill plan, will you guys be providing additional information and details as far as the dip and the azimuth, similar to what you guys did with the April 2021 program? Yeah, look for, I mean, look for probably a bit more color as we get closer towards having results. So maybe with our first press release, uh, happy to add on some drill traces from where we're putting holes in and, and where the collars are and uh, angles that we're planning on dip, uh, you know, dip azimuth, what we're trying to, to hit. So we'll definitely include that information as we, as we start to uh, release some of our results. You know, three main objectives, I guess, from the drill program this year. Number one is to follow up on the, the really high grade intersection that we had in hole 41. So in fact, the first three holes that we have going are going to be 50 meter step outs from that hole. Classically at Philo, we stepped out in the 200 meter range to 500 meter range in between holes. So we're really tightening it up around hole 41. We'll do a step out to the east, to the west and to the south to begin with. So that's where our first three holes are going. And then as we add more rigs and as we uh, complete some of the holes, the two other objectives for the season are to focus on about a one kilometer cubed zone that spanned the gap between hole 34 to the south and, and hole 41 to the north. That's an area where we're, we're seeing consistent grades at depth above 0.7% copper equivalent. So we'll focus there on trying to build out our geological model for that small subset of the overall deposit. And then we'll continue to keep a bunch of drill rigs exploring as we look to the north, northeast, maybe a few targets to the south. We'll definitely keep 25, 30% of the meters uh, for pure exploration and, and see if we can try and touch the edge of the system. And with the expected drilling, I believe you guys said something around the lines of 7,000 meters by year end. Is that still accurate or do you have an update on actual rates this far and if that number is going to maybe jump up more or maybe decrease? Yeah, that's we always struggle to put out um, good estimates. You know, we we try our best, but it's so dependent on drill productivity, on the weather. For example, this season uh, we started a lot earlier and uh, have been really you know optimistic about our winterization efforts and view towards trying to get the drills turning year round. But as always, at the beginning of the season, you end up with a few mechanical breakdowns or the weather sh shuts you down for a few days. So we tend to budget about 
13 to 14 meters per day. It's really, uh, frankly, in the in the industry, that's uh, really slow uh, in terms of advance rates for diamond drilling. And it's really, I guess it comes down to a couple of, of issues. We've often struggled to have, have good productivity. Those, you know, those 15 meters a day, let's call it, ends up being four days at 30 or 40 meters and then four days with uh, with the rig uh, getting zero meters um, and, and onward. So I think if we can improve those zero meter days or eliminate those zero meter days, then we can be um, uh, probably get more meterage than than we're guiding because when the, when the drills are turning, they're actually more effective. So uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to gauge. Uh, we'll stick with the 7,000 meters at least for now before year end and hopefully we can exceed that. And certainly by the time we get into 2022, we will have had those five rigs uh, at least going for four or five months and, and we'll get a sense of, of how productive they've been, how the crews are working, if they've been able to uh, increase their productivity and I put out some better estimates for 2022. Jamie, give the uh, the audience a flavor for the temperatures up there and then very high elevation, but uh, snowfall in that area is probably very, very little is my suspicion. Maybe just give us a flavor of the conditions. Yeah, the conditions I can describe as windy. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely uh, you know severe uh, working conditions out there. Certainly in the uh, in the winter months, which which they're just coming out of now. It tends to get nicer and, and classically when we run our drill programs, it's been from that November through March timeframe. And so the sweet spot, January, February, March, uh, that's when we tend to run site visits. And Lucas always gives us a hard time because every single time he's been to site, it's been a, a nice warm, call it five to 10 degrees Celsius, the sun's shining, no wind, it's beautiful. But uh, we definitely have evidence of, of much uh, harsher conditions than that. It doesn't get like Canadian Arctic cold. So the, the actual temperature bands from summer to winter, uh, you know, the coldest it would get up there would be minus 20 degrees Celsius uh, in the depths of sort of winter. And then in, in summertime, as I say, it gets uh, five to, to 10 degrees Celsius. Certainly the winds are an issue. Very little precipitation. You know, this is the Atacama Desert. And uh, when it does come, it, it often comes as a light snowfall or a, a dusting and very quickly tends to sublimate. It, uh, immediate, the solar intensity is so strong that immediately that snowfall sort of is gone from the ground. Other than the elevation and the, and the winds, it's uh, very favorable to work up there. Appreciate you uh, giving us a flavor on that. How about uh, assays? Any issues at the lab? Do you see that this stuff's going to come out uh, on news release full core, or do you see it just coming out as partial prior to full results? How's things looking on the lab side? Uh, last year, we had results back anywhere between uh, four to six weeks, I guess, from the time that the samples actually made it made their way from site to the lab. We try to stick towards releasing full holes as, as best we can. I think that gives investors and shareholders a, a, a better picture. But certainly if there's been occasions in the past where we've released partial assay results for portions of the hole where, you know, often we'll save that when we think that, you know, maybe there's a, a slightly different story to tell. And, and a great example there was, you know, in April last year, we put out partial results from, from holes 37 and holes 41, those partial results were focused particularly on a on a zone that we went through that's very precious metals rich. So it was nice for us to be able to put out, 
you know, just a, a subset of results focusing on the precious metals nature of that and some of the implications that it meant in terms of our silver zone and, and, and things like that at site. Ultimately, those partial assays got rolled into uh, bigger copper hits, including the, the really special hole 41 that, that we put out in May a few months later. So, you know, we tend to be a little a little strategic on, on how we want to release results, but our, our preference is at least guiding us that usually we try for full results of the, the full drill hole. Jamie, VP Exploration Bob Carmichael isn't here with us to describe his take on Hole 41, but you've talked to him. What is uh, his view on Hole 41 here? What's your guys' plan to extend work around that area? I'm sure that this is the predominant focus for you guys. Bob's uh, he's a he's a, a man that doesn't always show his emotions on his sleeve, and and certainly uh, you know when I got that phone call from Bob into the high grade stuff, what an exciting day for not only him but you know, the whole geological team that spent so long uh, on site and, and working this, it's just what a, you know, what a tribute. It, obviously, he was super excited. And what's been extremely strange this year, Andrew, of course, is that we haven't been able to get down to site. So he hasn't actually uh, been to Argentina yet with COVID travel restrictions. He hasn't had a chance to lay his eyes on the core. So it's been talking to our, our local geologists and photographs and, and sharing thoughts over Zoom calls and screen shares, that kind of stuff. So two, I guess, main working hypotheses at, at the moment. One of them, and I mentioned it earlier in the, in the show, we have this high-grade uh, precious metals zone that's sort of flat-lying. We call it our M-silver zone, and, and it sits out uh, as a flat-lying area that extends north-south. And so there's a view that maybe this high-grade uh, hit in hole 41 uh, tagged a feeder zone to that, where the this rich mineralization came up through some form of vertical structure and then hit a porous area higher up in the deposit that capped it and, and, and caused the uh, fluids to extend uh, laterally and form that flat-lying silver zone. Uh, 41 had uh, a high-grade section, that 100, 163 meters was over 180 gram per ton silver. Uh, the other, I guess, theory that, that may be going on here, and uh, again, I'm, I'm starting to get out of my depth because I don't have a geology background, as, as we, we learned at the beginning of the show. But I, I understand that at the as, as you get these porphyry intrusives coming in, you can get this uh, sort of cupola that forms uh, at, the, at the top part of that. And uh, those can be very, very high grade and, and tend to be sort of a an inverted uh, crescent shape. So that would guide to it, it being less of a vertical structure and maybe more of a, of a flat lying structure. So clearly a bunch of work for us to do in terms of defining that and, and understanding it. And, and that's, uh, Andrew, what the first three drill holes are. We're, we're focused on those 50 meter step outs because we want to figure out where we tag that high grade material in space uh, under underground hopefully guide us a little bit on which of those theories make sense and where we're going to be able to start drilling to, to chase additional uh, high-grade hits. Interesting. How about in your talk with Diego, with Pepe and Charlie as well, any emotion, any comments out of them on this here as far as the results? And also, you guys tend to all probably agree on what the focus is next, but uh, any other comments on that? Uh, well, I, I can only say that I think getting geologists of, of their pedigree involved in the story is a is a huge stamp of, of approval. I think whenever you're into a discovery or a deposit like Filo del Sol, geologists are, around the world are going to be pining to get involved. There's uh, It's few and far between that you get to sort of be in on the ground floor of 
of what we think is growing into a, a very, very unique deposit, one that's going to rank with these giant metal discoveries that are few and far between globally and, and over time. So it's been uh, an honor to welcome those guys as, as part of the team. I think they're just digging into it now. Pepe has been uh, spending his time in Copia Po. He's uh, Chilean based. So he's been logging uh, the core that's, uh, that's in Copia Po, which is where, uh, where we'd stored all of our drill core up and until the stuff that came out from this past drill season. I guess anything up to about hole 34, he's got access to now. And then we're working at getting him across uh, into Argentina to start looking at some of the drill core that we pulled out uh, last year. He's a, a world-renowned porphyry geologist. He's going to help out with our own guys and, and help mentor them, guide them about uh, how to log, what, you know, the structures that they're seeing, the different lithologies that they're tagging, and help guide what then forms as the next piece of the puzzle, which which then gets up to Charlie Grieg and Associates and his team, where those guys are going to help us work on uh, taking the information from the core logging and, and developing and building out our geological model. So, uh, you know, clearly... Even amongst our team, Diego and Bob, there's uh, lots of expertise and capacity, but this has just turned into such a, a huge job that having uh, additional firepower here is really going to help make sure that we've, uh, you know, all the dollars that we're spending into the ground to get this drill core out is going to turn itself into uh, bomb-proof models. Appreciate you sharing some more details there. We'll see what happens next year, but this is uh, quickly getting very large and looking forward to seeing more results here. We already talked a little bit about, you know, where you guys are going to be focused at predominantly. You've talked about maybe touching down on the southern end of things, checking things out there as well. We'll forgo that. We know what you're going to do there. So also, just, just for notes, uh, some Philo investors have expressed interest in more field photos of the program. Hopefully, you can add more photos as we go here. How about uh, metallurgical program? Anything on that front you want to update on? Yeah, no, it's, uh, Metwork's going to be a big part of our upcoming program. We dabbled a little bit in that from some of our drilling last year. So uh, again, just to remind listeners, it's really a project in two parts. The, the uppermost oxide part, we've got substantial Metwork into that uh, at pre-feasibility level, you know, column leach tests, uh, substantial variability tests through that oxide zone. So our understanding, uh, at least of the oxide response, is very well defined and developed. As we start this deeper drilling and we look at how to uh, how to process the sulfides, uh, lots more for us to learn there. We did some preliminary work this year. Early on, I guess there's two subsets of, of samples that we took. We, we took some stuff from hole 25 to the south, which uh, was very uh, clean, simple, no problems. It, it produced a good saleable grade copper concentrate with very, very low uh, deleterious elements. Um, and then we took some stuff from the, uh, the higher grade portion of the deposit around hole 32. And uh, certainly that's an area where the, the metallurgy is going to be a little more complex that uh, had the higher grades. And along with those higher grades came uh, some deleterious elements. But at, at this point in time, all of the work uh, has guided that we're going to be able to, to create a, a nice saleable concentrate. It's just really a matter of additional costs um, for some of the downstream processing. So we'll advance our thoughts there. Uh, do a bunch more met work this year, uh, probably take some sample from hole 41 and the high grade that's going on uh, there. So uh, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a big met program planned for this next drill program. Jamie, when do you expect to incorporate results into, I assume, a revised pre-feasibility study? Is that something that uh, folks can expect in 2022 sometime? 
It's a, uh, I mean, that's a great question. Fundamentally, Andrew, that's that's what we as a board and as a management team, you know, I think that's probably our biggest decision to make over the next 12 or 18 months. It's how much longer do we continue to spend drilling things off and learning about uh, the size and, and shape and geometry and, and really the value of ultimately of what we're sitting on here and where along that continuum of drill results do we pause and refocus on the engineering work to I guess, advance our thoughts on design and ultimately getting closer to cash flow. So I don't have a great answer there. I, th I think this past year was proof that uh, adding value through the drill bit at Philo uh, remains a, uh, a priority. I think uh, at least the next 12 months is pretty simple for me in terms of drilling and, and, and continuing to learn about the deposit geologically. Uh, but, you know, no question at some point in time. We're going to have to shift gears and, and focus on uh, the best way to start moving this forward towards development. I, I know you had Adam Lundin on the other day, and I encourage all of your listeners to to take a look at this uh, Philo deposit in almost in combination and jointly with what's happening at Jose Maria. Uh, it's 12 kilometers away. As that project advances through fiscal stability agreement with the government, environmental permits, and then as it moves towards construction, uh, all the synergies of potential infrastructure sharing that come along with that power, water, roads, uh, everything that sort of ties into a big project that's going to be 12 kilometers away, uh, you know, that that's going to open up. Uh, opportunities for us to look at Philo and, and how we might uh, engineer and think about extracting and creating value out of the sulfide resource um, as, as well and, and whether or not there's potential for us to piggyback a little bit on the work that they're doing. So let's see how the district plays out uh, over the next, you know, call it two years, but at least my next 12 months is pretty straightforward. Drill, drill, drill. <laughs> well, look, I, I think you can do things in parallel all these programs and I think the market will support these multiple initiatives at the same time and that the drill probably continues to turn given where it's at here I think that uh, the market will support that and the finances will support that yes Adam and I did speak about a week ago and it appears Jose Maria is going to be potentially leading the first finance and infrastructure build out for the district as you noted of course Los Salados is part of this as well Give us your thoughts on how you see this kind of coming together as far as some of the shared infrastructure. I know um, Adam seemed very confident with water on his side. Given that you guys have the largest market capitalization of the group, you know, how do you see this going? I'm interested to see how this all comes together because, as you say, it, it really is a district. And obviously, if Jose Maria gets permitting, it's uh, positive for Philo. Well, of course, any financing is difficult, Jamie, but you know, for the lending group and what you guys have access to, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, well, maybe I'll start with the the second question first. I, yeah, what a a privilege, really, to have had the success that we did last year, and and certainly raising dollars. You know, at wh wherever we are today, nine dollars a share versus uh, the last time I had to do it at a dollar eighty five is beneficial for for all the shareholders, right? It's going to be substantially less dilution for us to get to get dollars in the door. I think. Any time that investors have potential exposure to a, a world-class project like Fila del Sol, it's not going to be that difficult to uh, to raise the money. In fact, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have an arm wrestle, I'm sure, with Lucas over how much of it's available uh, out there for anybody else. Uh, you know, from his perspective, he, yeah. he's on to uh, you know he's on to the, the the greatest copper discovery uh, in decades. So why on earth would uh, would he? not continue to uh, to invest in, in, in fact, uh, continue to build his position within the company. Uh, so, 
you know, the dollars, uh, what a great position to be in. Not, not every junior mining company is in that place. So what, a, what a privilege, you know, I think as we shift towards how this district uh, gets developed, let's see, I, uh, at the beginning, these projects were all in one. They were all as part of NGX resources. And for various reasons, we split them up. Many conversations went into that as to why and, and what whether or not it made sense. And at the end of the day, our feeling was that there were different investors out there who, who wanted to put their dollars in for, for different reasons. And, you know, if you imagine Philo and, and Jose Maria as a combined entity today, you've got a dollar that comes in the door, what happens? Do you, do you put it into the ground to drill off Philo or do you save that dollar for the ultimate uh, multi-billion dollar capital that's going to be required to to build out Jose Maria? So you get to that position where you're choosing uh, capital allocation as a management team as opposed to letting shareholders uh, make that decision. And, and I think that was the rationale between the split was that we wanted to give uh, shareholders the choice. Did you want to fund the exciting sort of exploration story building at Philo, or did you want to fund that near-term development story at the building at, uh, at Jose Maria? And, um, you know, I, I always encourage people to, to be like the, the Lundines and fund both. Ultimately, I, I think there is great possibility for some joint development scenario to, to grow here. Certainly, you're not going to build two, $3 billion worth of infrastructure 12 kilometers away and, and not find a way to maximize that and, and, and use that strategically. And, and certainly with the Lundin family being the largest shareholder of, of both companies, they're going to look to try and uh, you know capitalize on those synergies and, and find ways to develop this as a bit of a district. Ultimately, as size and scale here that, that we could be uh, mining copper, gold and silver for decades upon decades uh, at Fila del Sol plus Jose Maria. So there's probably room for uh, another partner, somebody to come in and, and help share the risk and share that development build. But, you know, that's uh, if that pulls together, great. If, if not, I think we're again, it's in that unique position where the Lundings have the ability to move these projects forward themselves. And uh, and we'll look towards how to play the puzzle pieces together, play the chess game and, and figure out how to create shareholder value, despite the difference in the company lines at, at this point in time. A good set of options. And I'm sure Lucas is talking to uh, Bob Friedland and saying, look, I told you so. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I guess along that line, I mean, certainly the company has the ability to, to keep this in, but my suspicion is if it hasn't already happened, I'm sure it has, but I'm sure there, there's some discussion amongst the majors and that uh, hopefully we'll, we'll start to see what those discussions lead to next year and the years ahead here as Jose Maria gets kicked off and also to see how you guys uh, structure this uh, infrastructure build out. How about on regulatory permitting challenges, Jamie? Predominantly Argentine focused here, but essentially Jose Maria will be the uh, coat and DSC you know, really any issues of note on the regulatory front? Adam and I talked about this, and uh, it seems that that's going along quite well. Yeah, I, I won't rehash all of that. I, you know, what we're doing at Philo is, as you would with any earlier stage project, we identify the area of influence by which the mine is, is going to uh, impact, and, you know, you draw a radius around that and uh, advance your early stage environmental baseline work. So we're collecting water samples uh, in that area of influence. We are doing our flora and fauna studies. Uh, we're, we're, we've got a big cryology glaciology program where we're monitoring the glaciers and um, you know, taking permafrost measurements, that kind of stuff. So we're continuing that baseline data collection uh, at this point in time. 
we're not far enough advanced on the engineering side to start working towards any any kind of uh, ESI, you know, environmental permitting applications uh, beyond what we're advancing as a, you know, in terms of drill programs. So largely that that regulatory effort is going to be driven by Jose Maria and the work that they're doing in Argentina and hopefully sets the uh, the playbook for us. Um, and in the meantime, we're continuing to build that database so that when we are ready to go, uh, we'll have the, the years of, of data collection behind us and uh, developing that environmental baseline and, and ultimately submitting for permits and support uh, is going to be fairly straightforward for us. We'll see how Adam goes with Jose Maria here and the, some of those results we should be seeing sometime first half next year. Uh, how about to tie on to this here, ESG efforts, Jamie, always like to try to bring this up here in the current conditions in the market. Any specific work initiatives being carried out that you'd like to point out um, at this point for Philo? I know it's still relatively early stage for the company, but any maybe community initiatives is what I like to focus on. Anything on that front you want to mention? You know, certainly at this point in time, Andrew, our biggest focus is on employment and our ability to try and hire locally, to provide jobs locally. We, we put a big focus on um, making sure that our drill teams uh, at site, as many as we can from San Juan province, uh, and then certainly where we where we can't, some of the surrounding ones, whether it's Mendoza or La Rioja. So we're trying our best uh, locally to, uh, to 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 hire because those are the dollars that, that get paid out, and and uh, those are the dollars that, that then make their way back through the system at restaurants and you know hotels and all the bits and pieces that that go around uh, having you know a mining project going. Certainly, both in Chile and in Argentina, we've got, got you know great community programs and and uh, discussions ongoing there. Uh, we work closely uh, with the, the Polito community uh, on the Chilean side of the border. They're our, our closest community. Been uh, working with them since probably about 2013 through both Los Alados and, and NGX when these were all together and then carried on those programs uh, at Filo. So we, we try and hire locally for road clearing and we use the, the local transportation company out of the community there. So again, our, I think our focus, at least at this point in time, is, isn't so much program based as it is on trying to provide as many jobs and, uh, and economic development to the regions as we can. You know, I guess the broader theme on ESG there is that we've got the backing of the Lundin Foundation who uh, are, are really world experts uh, in, in helping guide responsible mineral development policy and I, and I point to lending gold all the time as as how that can be done effectively and the awards that they've won uh, in developing that Fruta del Norte mine in Ecuador which which is a really challenging uh, build from an ESG perspective and, and they've come through that with flying colors so having a, you know an ability for our company to rely on that guidance early on has been great and then even uh, you know a further step back, copper in and of itself. You know, talking about the the green metal and the um, you know the electrification of the of the globe. Uh, certainly, as we look towards different energy sources, moving away from coal and and moving uh, towards greener sources, you're going to need more copper. I think that uh, you know even at a very high level, that plays well into uh, investment themes here as as a uh, you know a green metal and a, hopefully a, a way that we can do that responsibly and get it out of the ground responsibly. Jamie, I appreciate that. Maybe just give us a an 18-month look ahead here on some of the major objectives you'd like to accomplish here. Yeah, I guess milestones, some are within our own control, some with outside of that. 
from our own perspective, uh, it's going to be drill results. Uh, likely, uh, we, we got off to a bit of a slower start uh, than, I, than I'd hoped this year, so likely early results in, uh, in November or, or early December at latest. So then it should be fairly consistent in terms of drilling news after that. Other than drilling, we'll uh, be working towards our metallurgical test work program. So there may be some news that, that comes out as we've got results to share on the network. Uh, as well as then turning that into uh, our resource modeling work. And uh, as we build it, build that out, you know, we'll make a decision as to whether or not it makes sense to, to put out an initial inferred resource. We're, we're having some internal discussions on the value of that. And I guess on one hand, there's certainly value in being able to uh, more scientifically say, hey, this is, this is what it is. It, you know, the, it, it turns it from a bit of a dream into reality. But the downside of that is, is sometimes that, uh, that, that sets a pin in it and uh, cuts off people's view of the dream here. And, and if we're not able to tighten up the drill spacing across you know, the full span of four or five kilometers of strike, then that initial inferred resource would probably end up being a lot smaller than the, than the overall global upside here. So is there, is there value in just uh, continuing to, to focus on the drill bit and continuing on, on drilling it off without putting a pin in it? So we'll make a we'll make a call on that as the year progresses. So look for drill results from us, uh, network uh, potentially looking at uh, resource uh, initial inferred resource. Out of our control would be uh, update Cerro Jose Maria. So fiscal stability with Argentina, uh, environmental permits, and a big push on uh, project finance and getting that project moving forward. Jamie, that sounds good, and I'm sure there's a number of participants already putting together their estimates in the background here, uh, certainly some on the investor front as well. So we'll continue to see what happens here and also when you guys decide to bring out your confirmation of what we have here. How about uh, further listings? You guys are just getting onto the TSX here. We've seen a lot of juniors and mid-tier companies, call it the, the 500 million to billion market cap or so, tend to dual list on the TSX and also the NYSE Amex. Would a U.S. listing upgrade be on the deck in the next year or two? It's not on the radar right now, Andrew. We'll, we'll take a look, obviously, at anything that we think is going to ultimately add value and, and create uh, more opportunities for uh, new investors to get involved in the story, create more opportunities to, to generate more liquidity in the story. Uh, certainly, you have to enter the U.S. Uh, not lightly and, and understand the regulatory requirements there. And I know that even within our lending group of companies, that's been met with mixed success over the years. So uh, certainly we'll we'll take a look at it, but uh, it's not on the radar at the moment. Always have to ask, so I appreciate you considering it there. Well, to close out, Jamie, for potential investors, all types listening in, Philo Mining stands at about a billion Canadian. What would you say to investors at these current price levels? World-class copper discoveries of size, scale, and grade like Philo Mining are rare. And this is an opportunity to get involved in one, uh, which despite our recent success, uh, I believe is still in the early days of understanding uh, just the, the, how special this could be, the size and scale here. So, you know, I think uh, don't take a look at the, the share price chart over the past 
uh, year and think that somehow or another you've missed the boat. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that in, in the fullness of time when uh, when we advance our drilling and we have uh, additional news coming out that, that we'll continue to see strong share price appreciation, uh, these these types of assets don't come around that uh, that often. So I, uh, I think it's a great time to get involved in Philo. I think we've got an exciting program in front of us, and I encourage anyone to take a look. Well said, Jamie. And do you have the Philo socks on? I, I'm not wearing them today, although I've been uh, gradually giving them out to, uh, to supportive shareholders and, and people interested. <laughs> well, we'll add some coats and some good Panamanian coffee with the Philo markings on it. There you go. <laughs> And the best way for investors to reach out to the company. Listen, I'm always available to talk to investors. So uh, touch base info at philo-mining.com. Trevor is our, our head of IR. He's happy to talk to people. Um, you can touch base with us uh, over social media. I think we're on uh, Twitter. Uh, there's Instagram. There's uh, LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to, to reach out that way or, or through the website. Uh, send a note off to Trevor and uh, he'll put you in touch with me. So um, lots of ways to connect with Philo. Jamie, thanks for taking the time to introduce Philo. Looking forward to seeing further progress, sir. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, appreciate your time today.